Welcome to the Healthcare Executive Podcast, providing you with insightful commentary and developments in the world of healthcare leadership. To learn more, visit ACHE.org. And without further ado, your host, Chris Caraggio. Welcome to the Healthcare Executor Podcast from ACHE. Today's episode is brought to you by Covaris. Covaris is reinventing what you expect from a medical professional liability provider. By leveraging claims data and analytics, Covaris is helping doctors and administrators reduce distractions and focus on improving outcomes. Learn more at covaris.com slash focus. Okay, our guest today, we're very excited to have Dr. Ghazala Sharif. She is the Corporate Senior Vice President and Chief Medical Officer, Acute Care of Clinical Excellence and Experience at Scripps Health in San Diego. She's board certified in both emergency medicine and pediatric emergency medicine. Dr. Sharif previously served as Chief Experience Officer at Scripps as Scripps Medical Director of Quality and Medical Management, and as Director, Division Director, I should say, of the Emergency Department at Rady's Children's Hospital. Now, Dr. Sharif is a recognized lecturer and a published author with two books on emergency medicine and numerous articles to her name. She earned her medical degree from Michigan State University. She completed a residency in emergency medicine at Stanford University and a fellowship in pediatric emergency medicine at Rady Children's Hospital. She also received her physician executive MBA at the University of Knoxville. Now, Dr. Sharif has served on several national committees, including as past chair of the American College of Emergency Physicians Pediatric Emergency Medicine Committee, and is a fellow, of course, at the American College of Healthcare Executives. Dr. Sharif, thank you once again for taking some time out to join us on the Healthcare Executive Podcast. You have quite a bio. (laughs) Well, thank you, Chris, for that warm welcome. Um, It's an honor and really a true privilege to be here with you today. Well, you know, obviously we wanted to get you at any point, but it's pretty appropriate now for many reasons. And one of them is you're going to be presenting at the upcoming 2021 Congress on Healthcare Leadership. Uh, Her session, that's what it's called, the Healthcare Workforce of the Future. Uh, That shares a title exactly with this episode. So a reminder to our listeners, by the way, since we're speaking of Congress, registration is open at ache.org slash Congress. Now, Obviously, we don't want to give, you know, spoil anything from 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 your, your address coming up in March. But but let's just talk a little bit about it. Let's call it a preview, doctor. How about that? OK, sure. uh, we appreciate the insight that you're about to give us. All right. So let, let's start with this, Dr. Sharif. You were named to your current role at Scripps only months before COVID-19. Is that correct? So like That's- a year ago or so? Exactly a year. January 13th, I took on an interim role as chief medical officer. We had some restructuring, uh, dividing the inpatient and the ambulatory site out. And then, yeah, uh, we stood up our command center on February 13th. Boy, you stepped into something, didn't you? Wow. Yeah. Yeah, I call it my CMO hazing, and it hasn't stopped yet. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Before we get into specifics, just uh, tell us just briefly what Scripps is seeing today in terms of managing this ongoing pandemic. Yeah, we thought we were at a peak, you know, June, July, when we had 127 inpatients, and that was a peak for us. That had just... Beyond our expectations now, uh, we actually are way higher. Just uh, two weeks ago, we are 500 inpatients with COVID. That's just our system. 
Last week, we had 118% ICU capacity, which means we've gone beyond our licensed beds and we're expanding into you know, the areas outside surgical areas and things like that. So we are definitely uh, you know, seeing a surge in the intensive care units. So the overall numbers have started to, to come down in the county, but this is a, a result of all the holiday gatherings. So we saw right after uh, Halloween, we saw a bump then came back-to-back -back Thanksgiving, Christmas, and New Year's. So this week is when we see our ICU numbers from New Year's, and then we hope that it'll start declining again. But we're very, very busy. And on top of that, we're rolling out vaccinations. So we, we did our healthcare staff, but um, Scripps went alive with a big bang uh, last Wednesday uh, for vaccines in our patients over age 65. Um, so it's been a, a lot to handle at one time, but we didn't want to wait on our patients. These are the sure. ones who are, are really you know, suffering. I'll tell you some of the stories are heartbreaking. There, uh, several patients have told us they haven't left their house literally since the last March because they were so afraid to leave. And these are 80 year olds. And so to be able to roll out that vaccine program has, uh, has meant a lot to our staff as well. So, so much going on uh, with you and, and, and so many, so many health organizations around the country, but just as you just laid out there, I guess we have to ask how 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 are you dealing with this in a workforce capacity with everything you're doing the workforce is 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 critical right now the first time around we had surge we were worried about ppe right we were wondering how do we get enough how do we get the supply now it became a workforce issue because it's hard it's been hard for our staff some of them did go to social gatherings i can protect them at work but it's really hard when staff is getting together outside of work or taking their masks off in the break room. And so this time was different. We had staff calling out sick uh, because they had COVID. We couldn't get travelers because it became a national pandemic. You know, the last time around, there were hotspots all over the country, right? So we had it and then they had it and they had it. This time it was entire country. And so trying to staff up that way became increasingly difficult. So we've tried some innovative approaches. One is called team nursing which basically is what we should be doing all along. And that is having the nurses do nursing duties. So giving medications, answering those medical questions. And then we have staffed up with EMTs and more um, LVNs, and we call them patient care assistants. So they can help with the everyday tasks that the nurse doesn't necessarily need to do, you know, bringing the food tray in, helping the patient go to the bathroom and really focus on the nurse doing what we need her to do in this moment. And that's provide true nursing care. And turns out our patient experience scores are higher than they have been. And I thought, you know, I thought long and hard about why this might be. And I think it's because the nurses actually will have more time at the bedside to, to explain to the patients what's going on, the medical needs. And then they're very happy because somebody else is helping them do their, the other things that they need and those people are not rushed. So interestingly, our patient experience scores are, are higher higher now. And I think that's part of the team approach uh, to caring for our patients. So that's how we're handling that. We're, we're hiring right and left, but adding EMTs to the mix has been really critical. Otherwise we wouldn't be able to handle this, this onslaught of patients. Sure. What about, um, and this goes for any health organization during this pandemic, um, what about the, the mental and emotional toll uh, on, on the workforce during this pandemic? I mean, everybody's doing everything that they possibly can, but then when they take a minute for themselves, how are you guys dealing with your staff in that regard? We're definitely seeing that burnout. Uh, several of our staff members have, have become ill with COVID as well. We've had healthcare workers um, pass away from this, and that takes an, an immense emotional, you know, just a, a toll. 
it's hard, but you know, for me too, I, my husband and my kids don't want to hear about COVID anymore because I used to come home and tell them all the COVID stories and they said, time out, we, we, we can't have you overload us. And so then I felt like, and who do I talk to, you know, besides my colleagues here. So we have put in a program, we put in a very quickly called the RISE program, Resilience and Stressful Events. It's a John Hopkins program, basically, and it's a peer-to-peer support because we don't all want to call our employee assistance program. You know, those are psychologists, but there is a stigma that goes with calling the psychologist, right? We wanted it to have uh, our staff to have someone that's on their level that they can talk to just before they go home. And we just rolled out our physician call schedule. The doctors, uh, they have stepped up like I wouldn't believe. I tried to keep their schedule as tight as I could because I didn't want them to be called after hours. And they said, no, we want to be available seven days a week for our physicians to be able to have somebody. So we have a staff program and a physician program. And you know, it may only be a handful of people that actually reach out, but the comfort that that has provided has been palpable, which I didn't expect. They just said, knowing they have someone they can talk to, whether they use a program or not, has really helped them. Um, and we've had some doctors and staff reach out and uh, had very meaningful conversations about their day and they're able to cope better before they go home. And that's really important or come back to the next shift for that matter. Um, I'm sure that um, you have seen in, in this year, you have seen uh, maybe some early retirements due to the pandemic, maybe even some resignations, you know, um, just because uh, folks don't know if, if they can handle it. So how, how can healthcare executives, how can leadership maybe set a plan? What, what's a piece of advice from you, an expert, maybe to plan for, for uh, these possible provider shortages? Yeah, you know, it's, it's hard to tell, Chris, just because we don't know when the next surge is coming. We're very worried about the new strain that's out there. Predictions are maybe March, April. So that's why we're rolling as fast as we can on the vaccines, because we need that. Um, word right now is it that the vaccines cover that new strain. So we are staffing up. We have asked our staff, uh, staffing office, to maintain that 100% licensed beds so that we don't go under. Usually your hospital isn't that full. And so we typically, just to give you an idea, staff 80 to 85% of our licensed beds and that that's plenty, but not knowing what's coming, you know, we said, we'll just bear the expense, make sure that we have the staffing necessary for 100% ICU beds, 100% of our medical surgical beds, because that being said, we have a backlog of surgical case, patients now that need to be seen, right? Because to accommodate the in-house volume, we had to cut back on cases. And that's been very hard. These are transplant patients, patients with underlying cardiac disease. They're not emergent, so they can't get a case right away. But we've had to delay them because of all the COVID patients. So God, you know, God willing, we're, we're out of the, the COVID phase by then, but then we have a backlog of patients. So we are staffing up and staying staffed. I will tell you uh, to the first part of your question that we've had the opposite. We have people staying on longer that were due to retire, but they didn't want to leave us an alert. And so they have lasted, you know, kind of as long as they could. And we have a couple retiring uh, this month, but they were supposed to retire well into last year. So everybody has stepped up and, and stayed on surprisingly. And so we've got a very solid uh, core team that, that really wants to be here for, for our patients and for each other. Well, that's certainly a testament to, to, to your organization, to your healthcare organization on that. We want to remind our listeners that today's episode of Healthcare Executive Podcast was brought to you by Covaris. Covaris is reinventing what you expect from a medical professional liability provider by leveraging claims, uh, data, analytics, Covaris is helping doctors and administrators reduce distractions and focus on improving outcomes. Learn more at covaris.com slash focus. 
Okay. Um, so, so let's talk about technology, um, doctor, in, in care delivery. We've heard so many things during the pandemic. I know these things were happening before, but now they're sort of at the forefront. We're talking about telehealth visits, data analytics, AI, all that stuff. Um, how, from a staff management, how, how are you implementing that and dealing with all those, the, the, the new technology coming to the forefront? Yeah, we, we actually, I think it's a better model. I think COVID has forced us to move much more rapidly than we would have ever before. At this same time last year, we maybe had 200 telehealth visits. As soon as COVID hit, we moved to telemedicine. Within two weeks, we were up to 3,000 patients a day because they just did not want to come in physically. So that just goes to show you how fast we, we can move. Uh, if we need to. And so that's been a remarkable, you know, compliment. And, and this is not just for scripts. This is across the country. Everybody moved this quickly. And so it, it gives me hope that we can do a lot more going forward. So we have a lot of people actually telecommuting now that we never did before, right? People had to come into the offices. And so I think there's a way to go back now and say, you know, we can, there's some cost savings here as well as convenience. You know, people were stuck in traffic, you know, imagine being in LA in traffic, San Diego traffic is it's pretty bad as well. So if I can save you a commute, 45 minutes home, 45 minutes, you know, to work, that's huge. And so we're looking at different modeling. So our HR team has modeled out, you know, what they're calling hoteling, you know, do you come in once a week and you have a space there? Do you really need to have a physical office and really being much more efficient with, with time? I will tell you the people who work from home tell me they're working harder than ever than they're in the office. Cause in the office, people come in and out and talk to you at home. You're, you're there and you're tasking and you're doing it. And before you know it, it's lunchtime. And then before you know it, it's dinner time and, and there's no break, but they say they're very, very efficient. And so I think that on the technology side, a lot more coming. I think you're going to see a lot more of these virtual intensive care units coming down uh, the pike as well. Uh, we're putting up uh, work in place and hopefully this, the next six months, what we're calling a central command center. Uh, which will be so helpful. We can monitor patients digitally so they don't have to come in. You know, if we see a blip on your weight and you have congestive heart failure, can we do outreach to you and say, hey, Chris, your your weight's been up uh, today. You know, what did you do? And you say, well, I ate a bag of chips. Okay, let's, let's up your Lasix dosing. You know, wouldn't that be nice to do all of that from home without you getting into trouble, coming to the emergency department because you you know now your heart's back in failure again. So it's exciting. You can hear the excitement in my voice because it'd be nice to keep people out of the hospital. Sure, it's it's one of those silver linings, yes. uh, you know, fr from all this, if you will. And I know you just touched on a little bit and we don't want to, you to give away any secrets from uh, your big presentation at, at Congress in March, but looking ahead, maybe three, five, even 10 years, in the landscape, in the healthcare landscape, what do you see other than other than an increase in all the technology? I do see more home-based care. We actually started uh, part of what we did to keep people out of the hospital when we went home. We, we went back to the old days. You know, people remember the days where the doctors would make house calls. We actually went back to that model at one of our hospitals because we had to start discharging patients much faster from the hospital so that we could make the beds open. And so we have a, a very novel pilot going on now with uh, hospitals and nurses, ho hospitalists and nurses going out to the patient's homes, monitoring them uh, very closely for their oxygen levels and their weight. And so I think we're gonna go back to those days when there's a lot more of this mobile doctor. We feel better because it's our physicians going out who know these patients, right? Versus, you know, a, a mobile you know, carrier. And so there's much better continuity of care. The people that have had these, uh, the hospitalist program have not been readmitted. And that's a testament to that program because they're monitored so closely. So I see more of that happening already. And I, what I see in the, the hospitals is that they were really will be more of the intense 
care patients, a lot of these medical surgical patients that are admitted now can probably be managed from home. And so the hospital nature will change as, as we start moving more surgeries to the outpatient. I think a lot more of this care is going to become home-based as it is now. I mean, we're sending people home with pulse oximeters now, which we never did before. Um, so it's already changing. And I think that will continue to, to expand as we go. Yeah, I guess uh, personalized healthcare, an increase in that is always a good thing, right? That's, that's it. And you, I think I like that personalized healthcare. Mm-hmm. That, that's really what it's about. Sure. Um, one last question. Again, we know you're busy. We, we always, well, we usually ask this question. As a fellow, uh, a ACHE fellow, would, how would you kind of summarize what, what that has meant? How the membership and how, how that fellow credential has impacted your career? That's a great question. I think what I see across the, the board with ACHE is a collaboration. And so I will tell you that I help facilitate a chief medical officer group here in town. Um, as a brand new CMO, you can imagine what that was. I mean, it was just an honor. We just, it just kind of naturally happened. We needed the CMOs to get together. I started facilitating the meeting a year, you know, I'm, like, 10 months later, I'm still a facilitator of that group. That just shows, shows how important collaboration is. And so I, I saw that at, at when I came to the, the Congress. But even more important now when we're facing the, the, the surge and the collaboration across the hospitals. And so having that membership, I think, has become even more critical. I just recently facilitated a session for our San Diego chapter and was in touch with some, some one person was one of the chief nursing operators at a different hospital than, than Scripps. One led a, a federally qualified healthcare centers. And so bringing all of that together under the ACH umbrella uh, really just kind of highlighted to me how important the organization is, not just from a national level for all the advocacy work that's being done, but really providing what I'm calling more of a seamless um, healthcare system locally as well. And so it's, it's those contexts that are, are really important. Yep. Contacts, that collaboration, all that networking, everything, yeah. everything, right? Th- th- those are all positives. Dr. Sharif, thank you so much for, for joining us today, providing such valuable insight on such an important topic. And, you know, it, it's such an important topic that obviously in a couple of months in March, you're going to be making this presentation. So we look forward to seeing you at the Congress, the 2021 Congress on Healthcare Leadership, which is by the way, March uh, 22nd through the 25th. And again, uh, registration is at ache.org slash Congress. Doctor, again, thank you so much. We really appreciate your time. This episode of the Healthcare Executive Podcast was brought to you by Covaris. Covaris is reinventing what you expect from a medical professional liability provider by leveraging claims, data, and analytics. Covaris is helping doctors and administrators reduce distractions and focus on improving outcomes. Learn more at covaris.com slash focus. And we'll see you next time, folks, on the Healthcare Executive Podcast. This has been the Healthcare Executive Podcast. Brought to you by the American College of Healthcare Executives. If you've enjoyed the show, please consider rating and reviewing on iTunes or your podcasting app of choice. And for more information, find us online at ache.org.